podcast name played nobody. Bill, Ooh, you're elite. That. I'm elite. Everybody's elite. The show fe- is elite. We're feeling elite this week, I think. I am elite. Okay. I wake up every day and I feel elite. Um, anyway. Yeah, so we're going to talk about being elite. <laughs> and that maybe you wouldn't have to talk about being elite if you just didn't call zone read on 4th and 5. <clears throat> oh, you wrote about a bunch of stuff this week. Um, I, I wrote, I promise. I spent all weekend writing, Bill. No one has seen it yet. Uh, spoiler, uh, minor spoiler. Everybody yelling at me for writing about the NFL now. Just wait. Whoa, wow. Okay. Um, I wrote, you know what? Hey, you know what? Segway, little theme established here. Everybody who thinks I can't write about the NBA, <laughs> just wait. I know that's Every- a, a very common conversation topic. You know that's Stephen Godfrey. I bet he everyone can't write is, about basketball. Everyone is terrified right now. This is podcast name play. Nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. That is the robot, William Connolly. Uh, he wrote books, multiple ones about college football that you can um, you can go and purchase on the Amazon.com. He's the inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus analytics system. Tune in every Sunday night as we break down the top 25 S&P Plus. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. I forgot to pull it up before the show, but someone wanted to jump in on my self-deprecating lines right here during the show intro, and they gave me the best one in the world. So you ready? Okay. I'm Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey, and... I'm the reason a streaming platform went out of business. Hell yeah, that was pretty Not, good. I thought look, I, I'll, I'll dig it up in a minute and find where and find who to give uh, credit to. But it was like early midweek last week. They're like, "Hey, try this one on." So here's the deal. Moving on, Bills is always the same because he writes books and he invented an entire system of analytics and da 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 da. da. Uh, it, go hard, go in. You cannot offend me, okay? Not you, Bill. I don't want to hear it from you. I'm just still floored because in our private Slack room the other day, you said I was right about Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, did I say that out loud? No, nah, that's fine. You can talk about it out loud, man. I'm well, you, you, you had an opportunity to rub it in that you were, you were right about LSU Ole Miss and you didn't, so I really shouldn't. What did I say about LSU Ole Miss? Well, right just about. that it wouldn't be close. I thought Ole Miss's offense might keep it close for a while, and I was incorrect. Um, I didn't watch it close enough to break it down. I definitely watched it. I'm not just going to put that on the defense. Although God, they're so they they look so small and out of place, um, <laughs> especially when you just lean in and run on them. Uh, but I, this that offense is like you. It, what did I did I say Django on your sh- on on your show, our show <laughs> on another radio spot? I did. I was like just pull. It's like a Django piece. You just pull it out, the whole thing goes down. So, but yeah, that's what it is. It's a Django piece. Like that uh, running back they have is actually pretty good. He's mm-hmm. a little stout dude. I forgot his name. Whatever. I know I went to college there. Phillips. Um, yeah, he's salty. Um, but they just. It's it's not really hard to put a team in third and problematic, right? And <laughs> right. So scare them a little bit or confuse them a little bit. You're going to create a turnover and incompletion, and then after that, they're they're SOL. They do not do well when they get out of when they get off schedule, right? Which is weird too, because it's not like it's a team that's handing the ball off to be like, all right, let's set up second and six, guys. And it's I'm just I don't know. It's weird, but they're really fun when they're good. Yeah, no, that was kind of their one, and I, I don't necessarily. Want to bring this up because I know we have some old Miss. There are some old Miss listeners out there who still like you um, and like us. But um, I can't shake them. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't shaken them by now, but uh, next year with uh, Tamu gone and AJ Brown gone and Demarcus Lodge gone, and I think Lodge is still there. It's um, oh, I thought he was DK Metcalf. It's DK Metcalf. He's the same age as Kyler. Is Kyler Murray a senior? 
Because they came out of Texas at the same wait, time. Wait, wait, hold on. I thought it was the other way around. Either way, no, Met, two, Metcalf's two of going to the draft, dude. Two of their top three receivers. Maybe yeah. all three, depending on the draft situation, I guess. But two yeah. of the top three. Yeah. Um, he, he. Not, oh, they're done. <laughs> they're done. This is when they, no, everybody doesn't understand it because they're talking about like this whole situation with the NCAA and you know they're on probation. They're they're dead. They're already dead. But he's having like their arms Decayed. are still moving or whatever. Right. I mean, I'm serious. It's they're gonna have to. Uh, we got a couple. We got a lot of questions about Ole Miss this week, so I guess we'll really. just go they ahead. They do and, have a, a, a blue chip freshman quarterback, so it might not be that bad. But like the, the they do? by far, I thought didn't Matt Car- wasn't he like a four star kid? Or am I making oh, that up? Ooh, they did get him. Yeah, y'all yeah. would really like. I'm, this isn't me playing a part or a bit. I really don't follow them. Like, I mean, in, in, in as much as I follow anybody right now, it's just as you try and follow everybody, but you don't get hyper focused on one particular team. So. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Um, oh, man, we did get more questions on the solicitation this morning about Ole Miss than any <laughs> other school. With everything else that's going on, I don't understand this. Uh, J.P. Swain, is half of Matt Luke's problem against uh, amongst Ole Miss folks is that he looks like an OL coach and not a head man out of central casting. Um, I think that's the least of his problems. Um, let me think if there's another Ole Miss question in here. As I scroll through, Ryan Dewey, he's an LSU fan. He asked, would Ole Miss and State have been – I like this question a lot. Would Ole Miss and State have been better uh, with on-field results this season if they had swapped head coaches? Both seem uncomfortable with their yeah. current offensive personnel. <laughs> That's a fun thing. And then at the end he said, did Ross Bjork make Matt Luke keep Phil Longo and Wesley McGriff? I can tell you that Ross Bjork uh, was made to keep Matt Luke, and so there wasn't really a concern about uh, Phil Longo well, and yeah, Wesley why would, McGriff. Why would you have to be made to keep Phil Longo? Phil Longo's a good coach. Um, I think uh, Matt Luke was pushed through at the last second when the interim tag came off by Old right. Miss Faithful. Um, Ross Bjork... Um, I I uh, would have gone in a different direction. Um, it's one of the one of the many facets of the deteriorating relationship there. Um, the situation with Longo and McGriff. Um, the way that I was told, and a lot of this was coming up as we were closing production on foul play. Uh, they felt like one of the reasons he kept AJ and all those amazing receivers that we just talked about. Like AJ could have gone out or transferred or whatever. Right. And, I mean, he's arguably the best receiver right now in college football. Is that fair to say? First-round pick? I mean, yeah, probably the best pro prospect for sure, yeah. What they were afraid of was before the wave hits them, which, like we said, is next year, they were going to have, you know, everyone was going to walk out. It was going to crush them. It was going to be kind of reinforce what the NCAA wanted to do to them. Um, and, And make no mistake, if Ole Miss is somehow able to beat anyone in conference play this year, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Oh, yeah, they're going to have a chance against Arkansas, a chance against Auburn. I was about to say anybody but Arkansas because they're so bad. It will be a middle finger to the NCAA who just wanted to vaporize them immediately. Especially because deep down the NCAA believes that there's kids on that roster who got and are still getting paid. They just can't prove it, or they haven't jammed it through the square peg hole of their kangaroo court yet. Um, the, The issue 
with those coordinators was that they preached to these kids, let's stick together, let's stick together, it's us against the world, it's us against the world. And keep in mind, he's an interim coach saying this, like, you know, shut out all the noise, it's just yeah. us, we're a family, and we're again, a family. they did we're not collapse family. late in the year like I expected them to, so he no. did a really nice job of that. No, I mean, I mean, they're, they're punch for punch in that Arkansas game last year, and then I know they lost that one. Oh, no, wait, was that the one where they blew the lead? That was the one where they blew the lead, but, you know, it doesn't matter, they won the yeah. Egg Bowl, that's all anybody cares about right. down there, because they're all sad, sad people on both sides of that rivalry but uh they felt like they couldn't preach family and then dump the coordinators and i don't know if he would have dumped longo but I, I definitely know he would have dumped mcgriff he didn't hire any of these people it's not a personal slight against longo or mcgriff it's just that he didn't hire any of these people longo had literally never coached a game for hugh freeze he comes on freeze gets fired and so you will see a vastly different old miss in 2019 and uh yeah, i mean i mean a lot of things by that but i definitely mean that they're gonna suck so I don't know why I got so many Ole Miss questions. Did people think they were going to win that game? I got a lot of like drunk texts from people. Like, I, went defended to Ole Miss. I defended Ole Miss, but I still didn't think they were going to win. I just thought they might only lose by like fourteen or seventeen. I was getting drunk texts from like dudes I went to college with that I hadn't talked to or don't talk to regularly, and they were like, "I can't believe it." And I'm <laughs> well, like, it was funny I'm like, though. What? Like, um, like what? Just to continue the total digression of what we had planned to start this show versus this topic. Um, yeah, we're supposed to be talking about Penn State right now. Right. Um, we will. No, it was fascinating, though. Just the, like, I guess th- th- this is just a sign people are paying attention, right? That basically at the end of every Saturday, uh, no, no, like, no matter how well or poorly my opinions did, and I mean, apologies to Buffalo for complimenting you. Apologies to West Virginia. I just wrote a complimentary hey, piece hey, about you. Hey, don't apologize to Buffalo. They just ran into Army. Okay, <laughs> they got Army. You, yeah, we'll talk United about States Army. In a put minute. a boot in that ass. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk about Army in a minute too. But um, but but so yeah, we're on kind of an SI Jinx kind of run right now with me complimenting teams. But like the end of every Saturday night now is just basically like my mentions fill with people going, "Hey, remember that thing you were wrong about?" <laughs> and so I got a lot of people ru- uh, rubbing it in that I thought Ole Miss would be competitive. I got a lot of people. I got a lot of people ru- like rubbing it in that I thought uh, Tulane's offense was bad, and it was before Thursday night when it or Friday night before when it was miraculously wasn't. But um. Well, you know, there are just as many national media types who said, one, that that LSU was going to struggle with Ole Miss. There are a lot of people who said that, mainly not because of anything to do with Ole Miss, but because everybody is constantly betting against Ed Orgeron. And there are a hell of a lot of people that were talking about how Memphis was going to be the G5 rep this year. So, well, I, I mean, I can't say a word. I thought Memphis was really good, and now I'm less sure of that. But um, I did not think Tulane was going to beat them to death with a hammer, but hey, you know. Mm-hmm. But, a, no, a, anyway, a good, like that's – Can't argue I, against a good murder. I, you know, look, I'm, I'm a man, I'm 40, come after me. Like I, I, I like, that's fine. But I, and again, I guess it's a sign that, that people are paying attention, but it was funny. Like that was my mentions on Saturday night were all LSU and Tulane, which come to think of it. Um, there's a geographic similarity there now that I, now that I think about it a little bit. Yes. They're both in a third world country. <laughs> uh, a, Bill, you, a, you a third about... world country with amazing food. But anyway, well, I mean, the same thing can be said about actual third world country. <laughs> Um, easier said than done. How does Penn State go from great to elite? Um, I don't know. Don't call zone read on fourth and five. Thank you. Uh, 450 people on Twitter <laughs> yesterday. What happened when you put this story up yesterday? Huh? What happened when you put this story yeah, up? Just yesterday? exactly that. Like, and I, and I should have thought, like, I mean, I, I was complaining about the, the fourth and five play call. And we talked about it on Sunday. Like I've, I've like, 
I, I, there's no defending it. So I wasn't like I was trying, but I really should have dressed the tweet up a little differently because it did set the table pretty nicely when, when the tweet basically said, okay, James Franco wants to go to, from great to elite. How do you do that? Flood. Just quote tweet after quote tweet of don't run on fourth and five. Well, but, that's uh, the, Twitter is built to be that kind of platform. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, and I should have seen Pithy, it coming. I should have dunk on you sort of, you know, there's yeah. very little context needed. Yeah, no, and I should have realized that in advance and dressed that. Twitter does not. Twitter does not enjoy a a, a long thought, right, or a nuanced <laughs> argument. And you know, whatever. But um, but no, but there, but there are other things besides making a better play call. And I tried to focus on those things in a piece. Like, it really was that James Franklin quote after the game. Like it's like he was sending like some sonar, some just he was he was hitting my radar screen specifically. Hey, write about this topic because as soon mm-hmm. as he said those words, I'm like, oh hell yes! And I t- pinged Jason. I said, here's what I'm writing about Monday morning. That's right up my alley. All right. Um, so without, I'm not going to read the whole story on the air. Go read it. Go give us the click, you bastards. Uh, number one, though, I'll break down the bullets. There's a nice, interesting <laughs> intro. Okay, recruit better. Well, they have recruited well, right? Yeah, it was funny. Like, if you're just reading the bullets, this is going to sound like the most simple piece in the world, and it was kind of designed to be that way. But, yeah, like, I mean, first of all, you could make a case that if 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 the quote-unquote elite tier of college football includes six or eight teams instead of four, Penn State's already elite. But, you know, they've got this hurdle now. Two straight years, they've held a double-digit lead against Ohio State. They've blown it. They lost by one. They got the ball back with a chance to re- – to, to, to fix the misdeeds of the fourth quarter, and they failed both times. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it does create this kind of this visceral kind of we still have one more hurdle to clear kind of thing instead of we just we lost a really tight game to a really good team. But if you really are trying to become Ohio State on the <laughs> on the field, um, well, yeah, number one is Ohio State is recruiting at an otherworldly level right now. Penn State is they they just signed I think the number six class. If they had held on to Justin Fields, the uh, you know the Georgia quarterback, they would have been number four. But even then, they signed fifteen four and five star kids last year. Ohio State score, uh, signed twenty three. That, that is absolutely ridiculous what Ohio State and Georgia did recruiting last year. And, of course, Alabama is doing it this year, I believe. So, I mean, that really is a different level. You're never going to get to 23, I don't think, if you're Penn State, unless you win a couple national titles, unless you do this for 10 years or something. But that's kind of the bar that you're aspiring to. And fifteen, maybe 15 is enough with proper development. I think Penn State is one of the best development schools in the country. They... Uh, their their weight room drew a, a hell of a lot of attention last year when when Barkley and Gasicki and all those guys all just like broke the combine weight room, um, so they've got that aspect. He he's always Franklin's trying to stay on the cutting edge in terms of you know just uh, you know the technology side of things. Uh, he's doing the sleep monitoring stuff. He's doing the uh, the catapult stuff. He's he's dabbled in analytics. I know and so. Um, he, they're trying in that regard, and I think they've got kind of a good de- development angle. But you, what I always say about team building is, you know, there are three steps. There's the talent acquisition, there's the talent de- development, and then there's the deployment. And they took a humongous leap in 2016 when they figured out a way, when they brought in Joe Moorhead and they figured out a way to innovate um, in terms of their offensive system. And so now, you know, Moorhead's gone, uh, but – they're, they're in kind of a Clemson situation when they lost Chad Morris, they promoted from within. They kept, they tried to keep a lot of the same structure, put a little different spin on it. Um, and they had Deshaun Watson, uh, to, you know, 
to 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 you know he he's kind of a one man innovation as is one of the few quarterbacks you could say is truly better than Trace McSorley over the last three four five years, and so that you know that was enough. The you know they were able to maintain the system. They had wonderful quarterback play, and that was enough on that end. But yeah, the recruiting end was number one, and then the <laughs> coach better was number two. Coach better is going to be weird because he's going to take flack. Either way, either for the decision that he made or for, you know, having Ricky Ronnie instead of instead of Moorhead there. There's no win. There's it's sure. a no win situation and nobody wants any more context than that, at least for probably another week or two. Right. And I they mean, I don't. railed against that that play call, but it was still, you know, it was Ricky Ronnie's first make or break. Here's the ball game play call. And he bombed. That doesn't mean the next one's going to bomb. It doesn't mean all the future ones are going to bomb. It just means they made a bad play call. By the way, don't if you're out there. And you're gnashing your teeth about the fact that he hired or he promoted a long, long time, loyal, effective, good assistant to that position. He did it on the defensive side when they lost Bob Shoup to Tennessee, and it paid out incredibly well. Brent yeah. Pry has been there with him for a long time. Uh, Franklin had worked for Pry's father in coaching. I mean, like, it was, if you want to complain about that cronyism thing, which is a really dangerous road to go down in college football because it's impossible not to find that in every yeah, everybody's tree, got in every cronies, place. Yeah. Like, that's how the system works. Remember that when they brought in Brent Pry, or not brought in, sorry, when they lost shoot, but they have elevated Brent Pry, everybody thought the same thing. He turned out to be the, you know, the best defense that they had under Franklin. So a lot of that, too, was just the talent maturing, 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 but they really yep. responded to Pry. They, yeah, you know, they changed um, some stuff up, and if you look, that was a better defense for him being the coordinator. So Ronnie, like... They're not running anything that's dramatically different. They didn't, I mean, they knew it wasn't broke. They knew this was Trace's last year. So they, it's hard to blame that part of it. And also, for God's sakes, don't compare him to Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer just put himself in a world of shit because <laughs> he hung on to an assistant coach for too long. Right. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, like Ronnie, uh, otherwise, we, we always, you know, we evaluate um, offensive coordinators by their worst play calls. But he's done, I thought, I think a really good job so far of, um, Basically finding something that works and, and just picking at the scab. Like they, I mean, they look like a big power, old school, burly power running uh, offense against Illinois because it was working. And, and Miles Sanders had a however 8 billion yards against Illinois, and that's fine. And against Ohio State until that final play call, I mean, basically the only thing they had that was working consistently was the QB draw. And I think inside, like if, if that's your, if that's the only thing that's working at some point, you're like, okay, we should probably stop doing that. It's not going to work anymore. But he, like they, they were blocking it really well. They were executing it really well. And they just did it over and over and over and over again. It wasn't going to work on that last play. That was one Ohio State was going to stunt. They were going to clog that middle. They were going to make sure that play did not beat them, but it had already beaten them like 13 times all day. It's why the game was so close. Um, and, and it really was just being able to lean on the same uh, stuff when it's working. Sometimes you get impatient. Sometimes you think, okay, they're catching on or whatever, um, and, and you you change course before you need to. I thought that was a sign of a good offensive coordinator right there. They just they bombed the last the very last test, and that was it. Um, culture, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I I really like their culture. I think if anything, if you wanted to write a book right now about culture, and either demystify it, reinforce it. You know, try and try and put some of those intangibles into context. Um, I don't know if this is like an instructional book for coaches or what, or just like one of those books that business leaders read. I would look heavily at at this run of Franklin at Penn State. Not so much because of the the games that they've won recently, but I mean, it was a 
bad, <laughs> incredibly bad yeah. situation when they got there. So yet you're saying they need to improve it even more? Or well, is I it mean, just- basically, culture reinforces itself. So basically, you know, his thing about, you know, now we got to raise the bar even further. Once you hit a certain bar, a good, healthy culture is able to kind of reinforce that level. And, and um, you know, because really, for me, culture just basically means like when the coaches are gone, uh, the, pl- the, the, the players are serving as their own coaches. They're able to maintain a high standard without supervision. Uh, they're, 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 they're going to class. That was the one thing. Franklin mentioned in that press conference that I thought was kind of, I think I thought that was kind of a weird digression. And I think if you asked him again, he'd come up with a better example of what, you know, elite culture means. Um, But they're doing those things on their own. They're maintaining a high standard on their own because the culture is in place. That's the, that's really the best way I can describe a good culture. And right now, I mean, you know, for, for the level they're playing at, they, they have a top 10 quote unquote culture, but now you've got, if you're trying to raise the bar, players don't know, Player, the players know how to play at a top 10 level. They don't know how to play at a top two level. And so that's something that, you know, as the bar gets raised, as you you start to re- improve whatever, the talent level and all these other things, the players still have to reinforce that even higher standard. So it's, it's the hardest thing to describe. It's the hardest thing to maintain. But once you get it, it's kind of hard to lose it too. I think it just, honestly, I think it is recruiting. Yeah, I mean that's I, yeah, that's why it was number one. Um, yeah, and, and you know they were number six last year. If the, if those guys matriculate, if they develop, if they're you know here two years from now, if you're able to lean on that class, most of those guys stayed. Um, I think they could be in a, in very very good shape if they have a quarterback. If you beat Ohio State, if you don't have this play call, I, I think none of us are talking like this because no, of course not. Franklin doesn't go off. And I'm, not, I'm right. not talking about your article. I'm talking about Franklin doesn't go off on this bizarre tangent because I think he was at that level. You know, they're obviously haven't recruited at the level of Ohio state. They haven't been to the playoff and they haven't won a national championship. And those are all things that Ohio state has done under urban Meyer. But I do think that they're a hell of a lot closer than I think. Look, man, I know him pretty well. And I think he was just trying to divert attention away from a really shitty single incident yep. on the field. And then uh, they botched the call. That's it. Yeah. That's it. How many times <clears throat> that, have you watched the actual sequence again? Huh? Uh, not Well, not since Saturday night. I was trying to – I watched the play quite a few times on Saturday night to make sure I knew what was going on with the bubble and all that, the bubble screen uh, tag and all that. So, I mean, I did watch it then, but I don't – I mean, I remember it, so I don't need to watch it again. Um, I think – I think – and I'm not going to believe anything until I get a chance, if I do, to talk to people that were actually involved. And ideally, you would want to talk to people on both sides, but – you know, Ohio State ain't really chatty right now. Um, Ever. I think that I was right on Sunday when I said that they just thought themselves stupid. Yeah. Because Ohio no, State exactly. doesn't change too much between the timeouts. Right. They're more worried about the about Penn State because they call the first timeout. And the second timeout, I think Penn State was just literally just – his nerves or something. It was fascinating. Yeah, no, um, there's there's no question. Um, play of the year right now, by the way, in college football. <laughs> yeah, no, if Penn State really wins is. that game, they're looking at a situation where, you know, they're 10-point favorites against Michigan State. They're two touchdown favorites against Indiana and Iowa. They, 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 even if they lose to Michigan, they're, they're almost certainly 11-1 and one at that point. They probably beat Wisconsin at home. 
Um, and, and I mean, just, you know, we're, we're talking about a game difference. And so now they're, they're probably going to finish nine and three or 10 and two, and they'll win their bowl game and go 10 and three or 11 and two for the third straight year ish. Um, so, I mean, yeah, overall it's fine. It's just, if the idea is basically we want to be Ohio state and have that level of talent and that level of margin for error where your offense can stink for almost the entire game. And then you finally, and then you figure out something that works in the fourth quarter and make two perfect drives with it. Um, like then, you know, there's still a ways to go in the recruiting side and all that. But yeah, no, there's no question. If we if they make a better play call, they go down and win win the game. Then we're not talking about uh, them not being elite. Greg Merrick asks, hashtag #SPAPN Can Penn State come back from this loss and make the playoff? Of course. I think it's a question about Ohio State more than it is about Penn State. It's that simple. Right. If they, um, if, yeah, if they went out. Um, a, if they went out because things happen, there's at least still a chance they win the division. But even beyond that, they'll be 11-1. They'll be top five in the country. They might not make the playoff, but we know that 11-1 teams that don't win their division uh, and <clears throat> our historical powers in college football uh, can make the playoff anyway. So Mm-mm. I ain't letting you off with that comparison lately. <laughs> You're telling me that you think there's a chance, a, a scenario in which Ohio State goes and wins the Big Ten. There's always a scenario. And Penn State can get in as an at large. Sure. If other, if if like, um, is there? Are we in like a fallout situation? Well, in the is South? West I mean, Virginia's have, like, ten? And, West have Virginia's, the Germans landed? West in Georgia? Virginia's ten and two, and they win the Big Twelve. Uh, USC pulls an upset and wins the Pac twelve at like nine and four or something. Uh, Clemson loses. Miami, you know, Miami, whatever. Miami win maybe wins the ACC at eleven and two. Of course, there is a scenario where that happens. It's not, it's not. A ton of scenarios, but it's absolutely on the table. Of course it is. I I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just don't believe it. <laughs> of course it is. That, like I, we can we can debate whether it's. I mean, 1% I know it's mathematically possible. Yeah. I mean, everything you said isn't like incorrect, but I mean, I just the likelihood. Well, I didn't say it was likely. I, you know, yeah. it's just right. okay. like of course it's on the table until it's on the table till it's not. Um, I, I think it just to me. I'm I'm looking down at the south and thinking, well. What you would need is LSU and Georgia giving uh, – let's see. Georgia goes to LSU. And um, Kentucky. Uh, Georgia goes to LSU and Kentucky and plays Auburn and plays Florida in a four-game span. Okay. All right, so what, here's what you would need, I think. LSU would need to beat Georgia. Totally possible. Yeah. Uh, go on and get drubbed by Alabama. Of course. Likely. Yeah. Um, maybe drop another game possible yeah florida maybe florida this weekend georgia with one loss would have to go into the sec title game and get evaporated possible no i don't uh, even think they'd have to be evaporated there would be their second loss yeah you're right and that's a timely loss too um so ohio state goes through they're going to beat wisconsin second loss um the pac-12 doesn't play football anymore so <laughs> And then you're saying what? You, what, what was your scenario? A two-loss West well, Virginia. Well, right. All you need big... is a few two-loss conference champions because, among other things, they haven't put a two-loss conference champion in yet. All right. No, I'm giving Penn State a, a cheering schedule. Okay. I'm saying these are the things you need to look out for. Right. So this weekend, you need Florida to beat LSU. <laughs> you need Texas to beat Oklahoma. Um, you need chaos. Well, who right. Are we and, just, and just you really don't chaos. even need that much chaos. Just a little chaos. You're killing my cell right now. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to give Penn State false hope. And encourage madness at the same time. I mean, I'm always for madness. I think that's that's what we need. It right I just now. wrote a piece to, uh, trying to will will West Virginia into the national title race. Of course, I want chaos. 
Well, it's funny you bring that up, and we can transition out of uh, Penn State. I committed a cardinal sin, which was I, I kind of huffed and puffed into Slack on Sunday morning or Saturday night. I was working on this big feature that's almost done, and I, like I said, kind of kept one eye on the Saturday slate. But to me, when Ohio State wins that game, I'm like, oh, man, this is so chalky. Right. So, so chalky. And right now it feels like quarterback issues notwithstanding for Clemson, a pretty easy Oklahoma, uh, not in this order, you know, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. And God, I don't want that. Does anybody want that who doesn't cheer for one of those schools? Well, I, I mean, yeah. Like, no, no. And they Georgia, don't. like Oklahoma's the fifth. I understand they have the, the conference title draw, but they're still the fifth best team at best. Like Georgia's in that top four, probably. But <laughs> Georgia's also been lucky. So, you know. Okay, fine. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. Again, not not. Yeah, no, God, no. That's like, not. That is not right. What I want. No, I'm just saying. But like, I'm saying the combinations therein, and the storylines, and the like, it reinforces that you have to create these totalitarian, <laughs> psychopath cultures. It just like, does anybody want any of what we're? No, give me something. <coughs> when Notre Dame is refreshing, yeah. what kind of world are we in? Uh, That's all I have. It's, no, it's full a very stop. Fair question. And, and and I mean, we're treating save Penn, me, Kentucky. We're 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 treating Penn State like a, a kind of a like a, a, a an uprising kind of underdog. I'm treating Penn State like a team who hasn't been in the playoff, and they're freaking Penn I, State. No, I'm, I'm I'm treating Penn State like a team that hasn't been in the playoff. Yeah, I'm treating I'm treating. I know Washington's been to the playoff, but like only for a quarter. <laughs> um, <laughs> just give me something else. It's not anything against Clemson. Clemson at least, you know, here's the thing about Clemson. I can't figure this out. I'm always excited to see Clemson in the playoff because they're always unique teams. Here's why. They're always unique teams with a really high ceiling, but, like, they also, like, did something incredibly terrible in the structure of it, like building. Like, they're always super susceptible in one or two ways that could just explode on them fantastically. So I mean that's that's interesting to watch, right? I, I enjoyed the hell out of Clemson in 2015-16. I do not enjoy them in 2017-18. I mean Saturday was dramatic and interesting. Dude, and they're weird they're and undefeated, limping through the crappiest Power uh, Five conference but, right but now so with a their, third string quarterback. But they're limping because they shot themselves in the foot. Like it I know, wasn't even I'm, like somebody else wounded them. They're just like, uh, you know. That's look. That's the kind of party guest that's going to defecate on themselves. And <laughs> you know what? If I'm bored, I want to see that. Eh, not in the playoff. I've seen it in the playoff. I don't want to see it in the playoff. They, if, no, if they no, make no, the playoff, right. they better be 100% good Clemson, not... Let me clarify. I don't want them to like come out and just lose you know, by 30 to Oklahoma. <laughs> which, I want which... some spectacular thing. I want something that you would create a verb out of, like Clemsoning. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> West Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's my dark horse. Tell me about West Virginia. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody's feeling it right now. So what did Biscuits, I say? What did I say in the preseason about cold. West Virginia being basically having as much star power as anybody, mm-hmm. with the huge caveat of they might not have anybody on the bench. Right now, uh, their energy, their their entire injury list is one backup linebacker is lost for the season with a knee injury. Um, like all the stars, plugging right along. Um, of course, Will Greer. But David Sills, Gary Jennings, they have another receiver, Marcus Sims, who was their number four last year. He's he's actually ahead of Jennings in terms of uh, targets and catches and whatnot. He's been explosive as hell. Uh, their four, number four receiver now is T.J. Simmons, who was an Alabama ki- uh, 
uh, transfer. Like they're, they they have all the depth in the world at receiver, and that's awesome. Um, they've got two linebackers. They've got the two transfers, Kenny Bigelow and Jabril Robinson on the line. They've got a kind of a rotation of others that might be good. I might not. I'm not real sure. Um, but basically they are the same house of cards, extremely thin team that is also extremely fun. Uh, and w- if everybody important stays healthy, there's not a single game left on their schedule. They can't win. Um, so, you know, I, I would assume that more like, you know, national title, eh, we'll see, but they absolutely could play their way into the big 12 title game and win it. So at, the, at worst, we're talking about a situation where we get to watch West Virginia versus, uh, I don't know, Georgia or somebody in the sugar bowl, which Dude, could be fun. All at least. I want. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. That'll, that'll help me deal with Ohio state, Alabama and the other bracket. Totally <laughs> fine with that. Wait, wait, where are the, shot, where are right? the um, playoff bowls this year, by the way? Um, oh, without looking. Fiesta peach. Oh, uh, no, it's not. I was, it's, it's, uh, I thought it's, it's orange and cotton. Oh, no, yeah, I was right. I was looking at 1920. Never mind. Orange, cotton, and then the playoff. And, oh, God, it's in Santa Clara. That's where the national title game is. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. And, dude, I've, I've covered games there, and it's so – Stadium's really nice. It's in one of the worst locations in America. All right, so and orange, I don't mean cotton, that so... Like, that's not an anti-NorCal thing. I'm just telling you. First off, anyone anyone who complains when, like, I don't know, it's just on a personal level, like, oh, the Atlanta Braves built a stadium in their white suburb – Dude, I, the fact they can call themselves the San Francisco 49ers, they play an hour and a half in traffic away from the border of San Francisco. That thing is the bottom of the – they're the San Jose 49ers. It's in the parking lot of a crappy uh, amusement park in an entire town that smells like a paper mill took a dump on itself. I'm serious. I don't know why. It just does. Ask Stuart Mandel. He knows this because he, he lives he lives the town next to it, and he told me the first time I went there, he was like, It stinks. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I guess you don't like the stadium. He's like, no, it actually stinks in the air, and no one understands why. <laughs> um, that thing is going to suck so bad. Every gumper right now listening to this who does that thing where they just blow five grand on a credit card or whatever, or like, I don't know, do, does something shady at their Toyota dealership in Huntsville <laughs> to like get money to travel, spur the moment for the national title, you're going to pay out your freaking nose, and you're going you're gonna to be in a part – you're going to be in northern San Jose. So, also, I just it just dawned on me. I'm totally fine with Alabama going back to the playoff and being its normal self because we're going to put 50, 40, eh, 35,000 traditional gumpers in San Francisco for a weekend. <laughs> I'm totally okay with everything now. Well, it's good because they'll how probably can be I there. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just coming to terms <laughs> with this thing. But, like, how can I convince my bosses for me? I don't want to go to the game. I don't want to go to the game You just want to go to the No, 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 no. I just literally, I want to like, I just want to, it's like fishing. I just want to sit in a lawn chair in like the Castro. Yes, the Castro. I was going to say hate Ashbury, but no, definitely the Castro. And I'm not going to tell you what the Castro is unless you know. And wait, (laughs) because it's going to happen. An Uber's going to make a wrong turn. Somebody's going to read about some restaurant they like on Eater. And it's going to be Alabama dry fit polo spilling out into any one any number of wonderful neighborhoods by the bay. And also, the thing about Santa Clara is it's not a ton of hotel rooms. It means somebody. That means a bunch of gumpers are going to probably stay in Oakland. I need that to happen. <laughs> I have now come to terms with the chalk playoff. Why do we ever write a show outline? It's always better when we just do weird shit. Well, and to to be fair, the the, the show outline was Penn State ask PAPN. So it really wasn't even. A show Man, I, but 
I turned in a draft yesterday that was 9,685 words. I didn't write a show outline today. Let's go back to Ask PAPN. You ready? Uh, I was trying to, yeah, sorry. I was getting lost trying to think of the fun playoff since we didn't give our ideal play. Somebody requested we start doing the ideal playoff thing again. Oh, um, well, I just thought it was a little too early. Um, yeah, it can. was, but now I have all right, all right, all right, time warp. Alabama, Ooh, West Virginia. F- uh, one, four. <laughs> I don't even really care after that. Honestly, I just want to see Alabama, West Virginia. All right. Um, so that'll be in Dallas. All right. What's in Miami. Well, I just introduced all these strange scenarios. Uh, I know, but Ohio State's going to get in. So you gotta deal <sighs> yeah, with that. it's going to be it's going to be real hard for Ohio State not to get in at this point. Georgia? No. Um, Bill hates the dogs. <laughs> apparently. Well, hell, I can't think of anybody. Um, Oklahoma. Well, but I have West Virginia. I don't know West Virginia. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. Um, oh, Clinton. It's going to it's going to have to be like Ohio State Clemson. It doesn't have to be. Um, yeah, it does because the sport not, is stupid. Well, the sport is stupid, but then I still have this picture of Miami um, pulling an upset, and you can't say you can't like say the it's University impossible. of Miami. You can't say it's impossible because Clemson just tried to lose to Syracuse for the second. Dude, I know year. you don't do drugs, but don't do drugs, okay? Syracuse just nearly beat them for two the second straight year. Like anything's oh, possible. Let's not pretend. Um, so all this happens, and Washington gets into the playoff. <laughs> Uh, and plays Ohio State, even you know though Washington- as much hey, as much as I stump for the Pac-12, and I just do it to be a contrarian asshole. Like, mm-mm, no, that well, would the, be- yeah, mm-mm. it wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, I really can't even really sell that one because Washington's all defense this year. Um, uh, t- hey, look at this. It's called a transition. Tyson Allenbaugh asked, "Does Washington's general competence hurt them?" I'm biased, but UW seems to rarely have the scheme slash profile slash fun piece written about them. Well, I can this, tell you why. Yeah, let him finish. Some of this is self-inflicted. <laughs> CP doesn't enjoy <laughs> CP doesn't enjoy attention, but I see more written about North Texas or Purdue than a top fifteen team. Hashtag SPAPN. Uh, yeah. Tyson, there's like five that I see pop up occasionally. Five Husky folks in there because in in here, I've got Husky fan podcast. And it says they follow me. Washington, listen to me right now. I want you to. Do they need to take a knee? No, 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 no. I said no. All right, fine. You want to be a wise ass? Bill, take a note. <laughs> we need more inside jokes. That's how, you know, that's that's how, that's people... how you get a live podcast. Yeah, apparently. Bill, take a note. Yeah. Um, I need all of our Washington people to you tell me or you organize some sort of thing with Twitter and just be like, hey, Godfrey will come write a profile. I don't work for ESPN. I'm completely unbiased in that regard. Some would say that I I, I dog out ESPN pretty often. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Right? Uh, I am contrarian. I am, uh, I, you know, a lot like Chris, Chris Peterson in that I want to do the best work possible at the highest level, but I also want to be left alone, and I don't like politics, especially in my own industry. Anybody who works with me can tell you that. I will go to Seattle. I will spend a lot of money at that little sub pop stand at SeaTac. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe even go on like a, I don't know, grunge walking tour or something like that. Enjoy a coffee. But I will also go to Seattle and I will write a minimum 3,000 word profile on the University of Washington. I will do this right now. Don't worry about what my editors say. I will do this right now. If you can convince those weirdos <laughs> to let someone write about 
Yeah. I, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to go hard swearing here. Let somebody got to lay hands on them. This is the, I, I just got to go like dumb cracker and say that like you got to lay hands and come to Jesus with these dudes. All right, it's not us. It's them. Do you know how many people would like to go and do a profile on a national title contender that isn't Clemson, Alabama, right. da, da, but no, like, like everything we just talked about in the last segment? If Washington's SID sent out an email, that's like a private email to like um, 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever media members. And, and, and I was on that list and it was basically, Hey, uh, coach Peterson, coach Pete has decided he wants to, he wants somebody to write a profile who can get here first. Like I would spend $2,000 of my own money to get on a plane ticket to get on a plane this oh, afternoon drive. to get there. I would get there first. I'd drive. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 My wife would go out to the, the garage like, Hey, did, are, where is he exactly? The, the car would be gone. I, I'd be like, I'd call from I 70. Um, no, like it would be, he, he is one of the most fast in terms of method. He is one of the most fascinating coaches that the sport has seen. I think uh, what you're saying is that we both need to go to Seattle. Yeah, and just kind of hang out for for a few days. Uh, maybe just pop in uh, to the the sports information uh, office. Oh, so kinda... you're saying you're saying we should just go out there to pitch them? Don't even tell them we're coming. No, just hang out. Just hang out. Didn't, if, didn't you, know. you say PAPN? Didn't you, you've looked at the analytics? Didn't doesn't PAPN register like one of our top cities <laughs> is up there? Is Seattle right? Well, I mean top. 20 <laughs> shut up go along with it <laughs> sure um but yeah tyson's i mean tyson i mean i'll lord her i'll lord her for a while if that's what it meant okay bad gimmick that we're running aside right now they're in a really attractive place in terms of like meeting people to go and spend two days it's their own fault right it's not us it's not I do I think it's affecting them in the college football playoff? No, beat Auburn. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, in terms of publicity, it is. You know those but... fake. You know those fake interceptions that I ascribe to Auburn make them real. <laughs> right. No, like they, they have a path, and if they follow it, if they don't lose to Arizona State, like, well, they probably still don't get it if they beat it if they finish with one loss last year. But it was still pretty close. Um, and this year, if you beat Auburn and run the table, you're in. So yeah, it doesn't. If you handle your business, it doesn't matter. But um, but no, it'd be amazing. It would have made more sense for the TCU Baylor debate on the playoff if one of them had gone as hardcore anti ESPN <laughs> as Washington has. I don't get it. Um, I I mean, look, at least they're making a headline, I guess. Nathan, take us back to the G five. Take us home, Nathan. If FAU trends down a bit, <coughs> who gets a P five job first, Chris Kiffin or Kendall Bryles? Oh, oh, ugh. Uh, guess what happened in the news today? Yeah, notice of allegations at Baylor. Which, by the way, that is absolutely like he's been gone for two, like two and a half years. Uh, this is a tough spot for me, Bill, because I made a documentary where I started laughing about the absence of any NCA involvement in Baylor, as they were, you know, throwing millions of dollars at legal and investigative fees at Laramie Tunsil for falling asleep on a couch and taking a free rental car. So. Technically, I can't say anything, but that's never stopped me before. Who are you punishing here? Yeah. Who are you Who are you going to punish at Baylor? You can't take a swipe at Ken Starr. Believe me, the entire Democratic Party's tried. You can't take a swipe at Art Bryles. He's already gone. Can't take a swipe at what's-his-face, the athletic director. Ian McCall's McCall. Ian McCall. Liberty. Yeah. I mean, that's like a foreign country now. They have their own laws there. Um. Yeah, you're done, dude. But you're going to go in... 
pull some scholarships, spend a lot of money, levy a fine that they'll gladly like one person, one person with a bunch of money can gladly pay off. So no issue there. Okay. Um, and then you're ultimately gonna. You, well, here's what you're gonna do. <laughs> you're going to take away scholarships from some kid who wants to play college football. That's it. <laughs> some kid yeah. who some kid who was in like the seventh grade when this shit was happening. Yep. That's all you can do because you're the NCAA. It's been two uh, two and a half years since take he left. Not revenue. even since the violation. Since he left. Take the television revenue. Army. I can't. By the way, they can't do that. Uh, best program in college football. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I got one. You got one. Who goes first? Well, I. I well, this is. I'll go first. Uh, a, at A N Gregory, our friend, uh, he has asked many questions. He currently goes by Dragoon in Paradise uh, I don't on get Twitter. It. I don't get uh, it. I don't get it. Uh, let's see. He's. Ha, uh, let's see. Okay. So hash. Pfft, Hashtag ask PAPNY does S and P plus hate army or hate the army defense so much. They get, they seem to get the stops they need and have held up, uh, held some experienced offenses. I guess that's what EXP means. Experienced offenses well under their normal levels. Curious why they rank so poorly. Addendum to this. He asked a couple hours later, does S and P plus adjust when an opponent is held below the typical number of possessions? The whole theory behind army is to reduce opponent possessions. How does that factor? Well, I mean, it factors because I use per play and per drive numbers. I mean, that's, it obviously affects your point totals, but that doesn't go into S&P. Um, the reason why S&P Plus hates Army's defense so much yeah. is uh, the same reason it really didn't like Navy's defense that much a few years ago. Uh, it is that they are 121st in success rate. They are bend, 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 and usually don't break, but sometimes break. Because um, they are also 99th in isolated points per play, my efficient, my explosiveness measure. They're 81st in points allowed per scoring opportunity. Like it does, it it hates their defense because their defense isn't very good. They got, I mean, yes, they got stops against Oklahoma. They didn't really hold Oklahoma below any rec, uh, any averages. They gave up like nine yards per play, but they got the fourth down, uh, the fourth and goal stop in the fourth quarter. They forced a turnover, uh, and because they had rendered the game so short and the the number of possessions so small, which was just amazing again to follow, um, that they almost stole a game because of all that. And that's great, but that doesn't mean they have a good defense. Um, right now they are 36th on, in offensive S and P plus and 108th in defense. And I'm clipping this part out and sending it to the defense coordinator. <laughs> I, hey, for the talent level, 108th, you know, dude, Jay Bateman does. I mean, no, they're not. You know, right? No, I mean, I like they're I know not Alabama, numbers, but but like they, for what they can recruit, right? No, like I'm, yeah, I'm not evaluating the coaching staff here. They have what to work with, what they have to work with. Um, and also, by the way, if they hadn't you know, giving up 34 points and however many uh, yards to start the season against Duke, they would also rank higher. Like that, that is dragging, that is going to drag them down, especially when Duke, you know, uh, was looking great for a little while there, but then turn around and, and, and laid an egg against a Virginia tech team that had just gotten torched by old dominion. That doesn't make you look very good. Yeah, no, they gained, yeah, they, they, they gained 7.3 yards per play against army in the opener third scored 34 points, which with limited possessions is like scoring 50 points. Um, 
And that's still on Army's record too. So that's why. I mean, I actually, it was kind of strange to me that that Ar- that Army is still 81st overall. Um, I expected, uh, like they moved from 94th to 81st. Or they, they moved from 101st to 94th after nearly beating Oklahoma. And from 94th to 81st after uh, whooping up on Buffalo. I actually expected more movement than that. And it surprised me. But that's not the same thing as saying they have a really good defense. Uh, a couple of ones. We're just gonna. I, I don't know. I just want to stay with this. Um, uh, do you want to do his addendum, or because it's a very S&P no? That's plus. what I. Actually, that's what the th- the thing about the um, possessions. Yeah, I did that. Okay, let's do. Uh, let's jump over. Uh, Javier asks, "Can Texas quote Army Oklahoma this weekend? <laughs> Break out the triple option and and hold Oklahoma to like six possessions? No, probably not. <laughs> it would be pretty awesome. Um, no, but." I'm not going to pretend for a second Texas can't upset Oklahoma. This is this is what Tom Herman lives for. No, right here. I was no. What I was trying to do. I yes, I believe that. We should say that up front. I believe that too. Um, this is the God. This is the. It's probably the way he wants to play this game. Honestly, um, <laughs> uh, I was trying to draw a line between not the triple option and reducing Oklahoma to a handful of possessions, but um, even run heavy. No, Texas is going to have to do their thing. And and yeah, I mean their thing is basically. All right, okay, let me do this. Let me all right. Let okay. me ask you okay. this. Let me ask you this, because it's an extreme example. Army in the triple. <laughs> is there anything on that film that you look at if you're Texas? I don't think there is. No. Okay, no, that's what. I think. No, I mean the the things you draw from it is if you can control the ball um, and and limit their possessions, even if you're not you know breaking out like three ten minute drives or whatever it was. Um, if you can play ball control and produce and, and force them to work their way down the field. That was the one thing Omri always does. They're, they're dreadfully inefficient, but they don't, there are periods where they don't give up big plays and they didn't give up big play that many big plays against Oklahoma. They made them drive the length of the field, or at least when they did, they made, they got a couple stops by doing that. Um, so just, uh, it, it kind of, it was an underdog script, whether it was a triple option or not. Um, and Texas can certainly play to that. I don't think, I mean, last year they decided to go blow for blow with Baker Mayfield. Um, and, you know, it, it was a Texas blow for blow. So it was 29-24, not like 49-44. But they still went back and forth and landed some haymakers. And, and he does always seem to have something saved and reserved for the biggest games on the schedule. And I would assume we get a good Texas. Um, and a good Texas is one that plays good defense and, and you know, at least controls the ball a little bit. Um. I got sorry. Look at the username. Oh God, Texas right now is 80th in offensive S and P plus and 10th in defensive S and P plus. So that alone kind of tells us what you're what, what kind of game you're hoping for, I guess, if you're Texas. UF Mark 79. Until we can get to a playoff eight, can we add a New Year's Six playing game for the G5 on Army Navy Day? So there's a good night game too. Hmm. Well, I mean, I would assume what's going to happen moving forward at some point is that that's would you the, you're excluding Army Navy though. I don't know, but you're also, I, th- I assume we're going to get some conference title games that day when we try to stretch the schedule out a little bit and give everybody a second bye week. I think uh, that's more likely. Yeah, It's funny. I think that scenario right now is more likely than an, uh, a playoff expansion. Doesn't make sense. It's right. Plus, like- I mean, at this point, you're, you, so if I understand the idea correctly, it's just basically pick the top two G5 teams, let them play for the New Year's Six spot, right? right. Um, so basically you're asking them uh, to play 15 games total. Which I mean, obviously, the teams that make the the national title game might play fifteen games, but uh, 
yeah, I'm not sure. That's it may, it may be fun. I'm all for it. You know, let's let's have UCF and Appalachian State play this year, or whoever, Boise State and whoever. Um, that'd, hey, uh, be, that'd be fun, but probably not. Real quick, this isn't a question. It just showed up in my feed as I was looking for other questions. Um, let me give the citation. Chris Anderson is a reporter of Ear Sports, the West Virginia. It's the two four seven. Um, Dana Holgerson asked about Kansas having eight different defenders with interceptions. Quote, that's the Rutgers factor, end quote. Ha! Jesus Christ. Uh, I love Dana. Dana, You took a comment about Kansas, Kansas football, and somehow was able to, God, this thing works on levels, was somehow able to humiliate Rutgers. He he, he put Rutgers below Kansas, as you should, I guess, um, simultaneously sliding Kansas in the process. Yeah. The man's da- a gift. Dana's still Dana. The man is a freaking gift. Um, Chester Leach asks, or Lech, I don't know. Y'all's usernames are too cute for your own good. Is Hawaii better than Memphis? Sure. No. no. Shut up. Sure. No. Hawaii, G5. Bill. <laughs> Brent Mori one asks, who's more butt? <laughs> K-State, <laughs> damn it. I was trying to do it without laughing. Here, leave it in. We're leaving this in, but I'm going to do it one more time straight because it's funnier if I say it straight. Yes. <sighs> Brent Mori asks, who's more butt? K-State or Nebraska? Uh, this hurts me, uh, but at this he, exact He has a K-State moment, shirt on in his avatar, so he's a K-State at, at, Yeah, at, at this moment, uh, Kansas Definitely. State is officially more yeah. butt. Look, man, I'll make a good Scott Frost joke. Uh, K State is bad. Yeah, they're they have two wins and Nebraska has zero, but Nebraska hasn't played South Dakota and UTSA. I'm getting weekly questions about has Bill Snyder worn out his welcome? So yeah, things are bad. It is a what well, it was an awkward situation when they were going eight and five. Um, it will be an, awkward anymore apparently. Yeah. Um, Tom Wazelli probably butchered that one. Uh, would a team like UC that'd be the University of Cincinnati? Shout out to Action Cookbook i.e. a team from the former Big East, have a better shot of getting into the college football playoff over a team like UCF that doesn't have that history of once playing in a power conference. Basically, well, if you, if basically, if UC went 12-0, and 0, would they be given more consideration? We're well, in the same conference right now. Technically, UCF uh, was in a power conference for like a year, and they won the Big East, and they went and they beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. I believe that, that was Big East, right? Or was that the year that the American was still... No, that was American. Yeah, but they were still at Power Six at that point, and they got the the Power Six bid for the last year of the BCS. Unless my brain is completely malfunctioning at this point, I mean, maybe it was yeah, UConn year. did that. Got got right. roasted by Oklahoma. Right, UCF went and God, beat Baylor they used to so. create some terrible games. UCF now ha- now especially has two uh, BCS slash New Year's Six bowl wins in the last like five six years. So. Cincinnati having been in the Big East is not going to matter in that regard. I mean, look, I'll take the Pepsi challenge, all joking aside, all memes aside, all bias aside on this program. The AAC is deep and good, and I'll put their front up against the ACCs right now. You're not backing me up on this, are you? Uh, I just did not expect those words to come out, and now I have to think about it. No, no. Eh. UCF. No. Cincinnati, USF, Houston, Memphis, Temple when they decide they want to be good. Um, no. 
Yes. No. I don't but have to make sense every week. It's not my do, job. They don't pay me to make sense. This uh, does introduce a segue for the next uh, question I was going to ask. Hashtag ask P-E-A-P-N. James Curl. Uh, at James Curl or Curly Curl. Um, I, I, I reserve the right to also butcher pronunciations in my preview of NC State this year. Um, the crux was that NC State had missed a big opportunity to do something great in 2017, in parentheses, true. Uh, but the opportunity to win the Atlantic and take that next step might be even better this year. No. Hashtag, am I tempting fate by asking? Um, yes. Yeah, of course you're tempting fate by asking. Uh, but, I mean, you're you're an NC State fan. And uh, lo- apparently fate long ago decided, ha, 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 we're going to give them a bunch of good players and they're never going to actually win anything. Um, so I don't know if you can fight that. That's just, you know, that, those are the planets, but, um, yes and no. Um, they have a very, like, I mean, the, the, the Atlantic is certainly no more, not as intimidating as it was last year. Clemson is probably about the same, I guess, but then, you know, Florida state's, you know, falling off the face of the earth, even more, even more than they had at this point last year. Um, Boston college is good, but only good apparently not amazing by any means. Um, Louisville's obviously fallen off the face of the earth. So you are now four. You're you're NC state. You're now four. Oh, you've beaten James Madison. Um, you kind of limped by them, but you, you manhandled Georgia state. You handled your business at Marshall. You beat, uh, a, a credible Boston college level Virginia team. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's not the very much, not nothing. You handled them by 14 points. So that's good. You're up to 24th in S&P plus, um, 33rd on offense and 29th on defense, meaning your defense is actually doing much better this year than it was last year when you had like 38 defensive line draftees. So all good things. Uh, now you play Boston college at home. You got a week off. You play at Clemson at Syracuse, Florida state at home, wake forest at home at Louisville at North Carolina. Um, Obviously, Clemson can lose in Death Valley. We we saw, almost saw them do it on Saturday. We almost saw them do it two years ago when NC State was in town. We saw them do it against Pitt. They, you know, it's happened. Um, I st- basically to win the Atlantic, you 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 can afford a slip up as long as you win at Clemson, and that still. That doesn't feel easier than last year for sure. I don't know if it's harder though. It is a better opportunity than I anticipated for them this year. No question. A really good question. I can't answer today, but it's funny because it came up in conversation um, with a with a source uh, two weeks ago. Fourth and Jort asks, um, "Ask PAPN, is there a profession out there where one side is getting dominated by one sided contracts more than universities and their ads versus head football coaches and their high powered agents? Why is that?" Uh, they are creating panic in the market a lot. Um. I don't know how you take the power back. They definitely have the power right now. I just don't know how you take it back off the top of my head. It's one of the things I was talking about with this individual where they made the exact same observation about how silly some of these contracts are and the way their buyouts are structured and everything else. But how do you get the toothpaste back in? Right. Um, I think you – we keep waiting for a recession in <laughs> – Yeah. The individual account. No, I, I don't mean on a national level. No, I know um, what you mean, though. Yeah, there's a recession. We're probably not doing this podcast. Um, if there's a recession in the budgets, I think you could see organically it could cascade down if the rights fees were to 
to plateau. Right. Um, and so year after year, you're not building bigger budgets. We're certainly seeing an apathy in ticket sales, game day experience. It's affecting everything for, all the way down to the branding and licensing and inside the build the building. By the way, if someone tells you they're like, oh, we don't really know exactly how many people are at the game. They're full of shit because one of the things that they have to do in the corporate world is figure out exactly how many human beings walk through a turnstile to look at the advertisements that were sold in that stadium. Branding initiatives, giveaways, mm. any name of any business you see on a ribbon board or a end zone, jumbotron, whatever. So just that's just as a quick aside. Um, yep. I don't know, Fourth and Jord. Um, I do think it can't keep going because some of these deals have been horrific. Yeah, know? and we just had a piece this morning about Bobby Petrino in Louisville, right? And a you know ridiculous outsized buyout. It just doesn't make sense. I um, it is kind of weird with football right now, and that like the the contracts at the high end are getting gaudier, and I don't know if that stops. But the the it, I do think we're in a situation now where the Louisvilles, like the teams that are financially healthy but not 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 getting healthier, I guess you could say, right. um, and maybe have giant buyouts to pay and all these other things. You can make the case that for those schools. Uh, I don't know if it's a bubble bursting, but the bubble's not getting any bigger. And so it really will be kind of interesting to see. Because, I mean, for a lot of teams then, like Saban's always going to make $11 billion. But um, uh-huh. but for a lot of schools, the the kind of the, the balance between getting a really good coach but then also still having money to pay for a good staff. Like some, some, some th- things like that, the math might get a little trickier in that regard. I don't have much to add. I don't want to leave it on an awkward moment. I definitely think it's something worth pursuing. If you're one of our colleagues in the industry listening to this, don't steal our shit. I may do it. Who knows? Maybe that's a feature for later. I don't know. It's a really good question, Fourth and Jord. I always like them when I can't answer them or even fake like I know what I'm talking about because that uh, that makes me go and ask people questions, which is supposed to be my job. Uh, Bill. Actually, here's another. J.P. Swain asked a question sort of in the same vein, so I'm going to tie it in here before we Fire it in. Fire it in so we can build a little bit better of an outro on this. J.P. Swain at Two Pints J.P. uh, says the era of monster contracts have created monster buyouts with both come higher expectations but enforced patience. What's the smartest way for a program to behave? See Petrino or Fedora. Uh, (sighs) Huge buyouts uh, team... Huge buyouts team with recent struggles. Okay, I'm not completely sure what the last part meant, but just uh, what's the smartest way for a program to behave? Um, well, it's impossible. In I theory, in th- like uh, you know, I'm I'm pa- Mr. Patience, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. the, if you keep a guy and, and give him the resources he needs, and and you know he's a good coach because he's proven it in the past. There's there are very solid odds that he'll figure things out and rally. Um, but the problem with the huge buyouts right now is it doesn't stop you from firing somebody. It just means when you fire them, you're uh, in debt or well, you know, whatever equivalent. Um, so the I guess the healthiest thing to do would make the buyouts even bigger. So you just simply, absolutely, positively can't fire the the head coach. Problem in that scenario is then you'll get fired instead. Okay. Um, I don't think it's possible. Like I, I said it was impossible and interrupted you because I think that um, you have to be showing if you're a, a program like North Carolina, especially that you're you're trying to build momentum in so many different areas to garner cash out of folks, ticket sales, corporate sponsorship, yada, 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 all that stuff. You have to act like you're swinging the same way in Alabama would, even though you're never going to be Alabama <laughs> or USC or Florida or any of these schools. 
until there's a realistic reckoning with, and I'm not talking about P5, G5. I'm talking about those 25 or 30 programs and then those next 30 to 70 programs and figure out who you are, what you're going to be, what your people expect, your money people, your fans, all that. Everyone's going to make, everyone's going to overextend themselves, kind of hyperextend themselves just a little bit. Um, and then create these bad situations that agents are going to prey on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the reality is this. There are not that many good coaches. I don't even know if there's 30 coaches that could win you a national title right now. Right, standout coaches. coaches. There are a lot of good yeah. – yeah, there are plenty of good coaches. But yeah, no, but I'm talking about like, you know, yeah. coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's 50 or 60 programs that think they should be in a national title contention. <laughs> right. That's the problem. So you have a buyer's – uh, you have a seller's market. This is going to happen. And and when you can spit shine an imitation, you know, a knockoff, the Costco version of Nick Saban, which has been done ad nauseum by people like Jimmy Sexton, they're, you're going to do it. You know, that's the free market. So that's the best answer I can give, Bill. We got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. We will uh, come back Thursday. We'll preview the week. Um, in keeping with the theme that emerges, I have not looked yet at the schedule. Where's game day going to be? Uh, oh, Red River. Oh, okay. Yeah, we get to talk about Red River. I'm excited. Oh, and by the way, it's the 10 year anniversary of three two of the three two Al- uh, Auburn Mississippi State game. And guess what? Both Ooh. offenses are terrible. All of a sudden, poor Moorhead. Here, we're gonna go out on this. We're gonna go out. Just this is more of a. Hang on, I gotta make it do like um, like a funeral kind of sound. Can I do that? Uh, no, because it just rocks back and forth. Yeah, too you much. need a, you need a kind of a don don don. Yeah, it it ricochets back. That's the problem. My dog hates this cowbell. I'll see you Thursday.